What's up, everybody? Welcome to this exciting playoff edition Two Buck Sports podcast coming to you on Wednesday night. Game two, Grizz Lakers tips off in just over an hour. And so Uncle Buck and I are recording a little bit earlier tonight, trying to get it in before the game. So Uncle Buck, welcome to the podcast. What's up, Buckets? Anybody watching on the YouTube stream here knows what time of the year it is. It's playoff time, and yes. we're going to get into it in a little bit. We're going to dive into to what we thought about game one and what we see coming for game two. But nothing else matters for the next however long the Grizzlies are in the playoffs other than the Grizzlies being in the playoffs. So 6.30 tip tonight. We've got an hour and seven minutes to get this thing done. So shorter <laughs> podcast tonight. Uh, I would like to tell everybody that it, you know, we're coming to you earlier in the night this Wednesday night. Uh, I wish it wasn't for basketball purposes, but that Rusty just missed me so much because we recorded last. What was it? We recorded Monday. on Monday night last weekend. Last, last Monday. Week. So yeah. we've gone like 10 days without him seeing me and he was just blowing my phone up. Dude, are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? So I was like, yeah, I guess we'll just record earlier. I get to watch the game and you get your fix, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly (laughs) right. You know, it wasn't the fact that I was sending out an APB SOS, whereas Uncle Buck on Sunday, because I hadn't heard from him in several days because of some other happenings that we'll get into a little bit later in the podcast. And uh, Uncle Buck, you went out of town again this weekend, didn't you? Yeah, I, uh, my mother-in-law's birthday is coming up, and so my wife and her siblings decided to uh, go all out on this one. And so we took a quick three-night trip to Panama City Beach, Florida. And I'm telling you, Rusty, I've been to the beach many times. My dad is one that can't go six weeks without feeling the sand in his toes. And so that was the only vacations we took as a kid. We were going to the beach. So I've been to the beach, and I've been to the beach a lot. Mm. However... I think weather-wise, this was like the best trip I've ever been on to the beach. It was 75 degrees Mm. and sunny and perfect. I mean, uh, I've been to the beach when it's 95 and hot and the water's warm. I've been to the beach in November uh, over Thanksgiving before. We've done that trip before, and it was miserable. This is the first time I've been when it was 75. I mean, it just mm-hmm. seemed to me like peak ultimate beach weather. The nice. water was chilly, but not too cold. Mm. It was awesome. We had a great nice. time. Good, man. Glad y'all got away. Got some downtime. Um, and you, uh, you had a little outing of your own this weekend, didn't you? I did. I uh, had some really good friends coming to town. Uh, prior to last Wednesday, I only knew... Three of the six that were coming into town, and so or seven that were coming into town, but <clears throat> got to know them over the course of the last few days, and just some really great people. So, like we talked about last week, had a golf trip this weekend and a bachelor party light for our buddy Aaron, who came in town from Boston this past weekend. We had a there was a house on Pauly's Island. There was golf played. Ate at a great great restaurant called Frank's. Um, had some really, really good time, man. Played with a couple really good golfers. I told him I'd give him a shout-out, so I'll give you a quick rundown of our golfers and then one funny story from last week. Um, Let's hear it. Uh, oh, yeah. So uh, Jake, my buddy, uh, Jake Matthews from Maine, you know, my one year that I spent in Maine when I was in high school, met this guy. We hit it off. We've stayed more or less in touch for the last 21 years, and uh, he's came down a few times. I've been to Boston to visit him. Just a really solid solid friend good dude and a good golfer if he uh if he could have putted this weekend he would have had some really nice scores and he'll tell you that too he he uh, left a lot of putts to be desired as he would say you know 
one of my favorite sayings in golf uh when you don't you're not doing well on the greens is one i heard from you and one time i hit a putt short and you said hit it with your purse next time patsy <laughs> <laughs> so i did i use that one frequently <laughs> yeah uh, exactly yeah, i'm i'm always it seems like the first few holes i'm always tentative with a putter and i'm always like six feet short of the hole because i'm yeah. not approaching within six feet ever yeah and so and then you know the next few holes i'm like blazing it past it because i'm like yeah. i'm not going to be short you know jake would miss by inches just i mean it would get uh-huh. right up to the cup and then fall off or fall just short or dip just past or well, it just, that, he just had that bad counts. luck we don't yeah. if you're playing with me we don't play you got to get in the hole you got to get it close uh chip shot away and then you'll we give it's it a circle of friendship but uh yeah. but yeah so jake was in town great dude he brought his brother-in-law charlie who might have one of the best golf swings i've ever seen just pure just pured every ball i mean he came in and from what i heard from jake he was upset that his handicap got above two on this trip that kind of a golfer just oh, like see, i thought you were being a little sarcastic there now no. you're being for real no he um he hits the ball with a purpose. When I hit a golf ball, I'm just as surprised as those that I'm playing with as to where it goes. When he hits a golf ball, it goes exactly where he wants it to go. On the 18th green of the last hole, we're all sitting around watching. He throws an absolute dart that just sticks, bounces up, and then stays right where it is within like a six or eight foot birdie putt. I watched him eagle a really tough hole and just thought, man, I, I'm outclassed by this one. <laughs> you know, uh, my favorite golf moment of my life my personal favorite golf moment i think you probably know what i'm talking about where this is going (laughs) yeah we're at hillendale on 18 in corinth and they've got that greenside bunker and rusty hits it in the bunker and i had just gotten through playing golf with our good buddy aaron aaron ivy who we're gonna have to talk to maybe next week to get our will levis update absolutely and um he had taught me how to hit out of the bunker you know spread your feet dig yourself in a lot and swing harder than you golfer. think. Yeah. Hit it harder than you think and get enough sand to where you don't actually hit the ball, flop it up there. So I was being cocky because I'd done it a couple times weeks ago with Aaron. I, I let Rusty hit it out and I think he hit it up to the the pro shop up there. I got uh, on the green. Thank you very much. <laughs> and so I said, Rusty, come on. You know, and I'm talking a big game like I really know what I'm going to do. And I throw that, throw the ball down there. I'm like, you just spread your feet a little wider. You know, you. You shorten up your club. You hit them, hit it harder than you think. And really just, I, I was, you know, really just, you know, swagging, you know, using That's the swag method, you know, yeah. you know, and I hit the most beautiful bunker shot I've ever hit. Hold it out from that Hold green side bunker. And of course I went running around the course like <laughs> I had never done it before, but I and don't rust it. Like I told you, I, I told you I was going to make it. I told you I was going to make it. It's the only time I've ever hold anything out. <laughs> Dumb. It wasn't even my ball. I showed Rusty how to hit his ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Charlie was striping him. Another guy named Charles who came down last year, uh, had the worst time getting here. He got to Logan Airport third Wednesday morning to fly down up in Boston at 345 and then leave the airport on his flight until after 8 p.m. Uh, you get st- spirit just messed up. They had a plane that broke. They had to build another plane. They had to train a flight crew. They ran out of gas. It was just like a comedy of errors before he could finally get there late Wednesday night we the the way we knew he arrived was he sent us a picture of his golf clubs at 1 a.m prior to an 8 a.m tea time the next morning and that's yeah, what you get so, for spot, flying spirit that's the point I was gonna make 
if you're going to spend a weekend with Rusty, you cannot afford to fly home any other way other than Spirit. Because, <laughs> you know, if you're, li- if you're with Rusty, you're living the high life. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, then, uh, like I said, the bachelor Aaron, great guy, hit some really good shots. Good golfer really is, uh, plays Australian league football up in Boston, uh, or start Australian rules football up in Boston. Great dude works for DraftKings, just solid, solid guy. Uh, Ryan was another one. He's a graduate of, uh, Texas A&M and then he got his grad degree from Tulane. So, uh, he, uh, told me on the porch, uh, Saturday night that he had disowned A&M while they had Bobby Petrino and, and uh, Jimbo Fisher and I said, hey, we're going to have to get you on the podcast to talk about A&M we do our SEC preview because I want to hear more about this. And he uh, claimed his graduate school last year, Tulane, and, and rode their coattails all the way to a Cotton Bowl victory. So, uh, Ryan, again, good golfer, uh, good dude as well. Let's see who we got. Bailey. Um, Bailey was, was awesome. The one girl in our group. She and I were cart buddies. Bailey, you're a gem. Had a great time playing with her. Uh, we both got the yips there for a couple holes on uh, at Willbrook. We both just didn't know what didn't know what was going wrong. We just knew it wasn't going right. Uh, but found a way to get it back together and finished strong there at Willbrook. Had a great time with her. Got him, Chris, uh, financial consultant out in Boston. First time meeting him. He has a Roy Rory McIlroy s swing, and I know he needs a lot of positive affirmation. So, Chris, you hearing that? I hope that. Hope that's good for you, man, because he swings out of his shoes, violent golf swing, and hits that ball right in the face. Absolutely mashes it. Just <clears throat> tremendous, tremendous swing. Good guy, good golfer. Had a lot of fun with him. And then on the last day, we had his buddy uh, Tim in the Army uh, stationed in Savannah come up and join us for our last round. So I had a great time with those guys. Really played some good golf. Uh, Beautiful courses, beautiful weather. Couldn't have asked for better weather. It had just a little bit of rain, but it was just enough to knock the humidity down, make the greens more receptive, as Jake would say. Um, but, yeah, great group, great, great group. My favorite part of the trip, and we can move on after this, was uh, we played Caledonia first, which is like the premier course. Aaron came up, and he and I played it when he came up here one time, like the nice course in Pauly's Island. And... We noticed that there was a porch up there, and I told him about it. It's a great place to have a drink and watch the sun go down, but what you can also do is you're overlooking the 18th green, so it's a great opportunity to heckle or cheer on or boo golfers as they approach the 18th green. So we said, we're going to come back later this week. 16 at the Waste Management? Dude, like, we got there, man. Let me tell you. So we played a different course on Saturday. We came back. We all got drinks and cigars and hung out on the back porch overlooking the 18th green and heckled golfers for the better part of four hours. And it started with just the eight of us, <clears throat> and then it grew. As we would heckle a group, they'd come off, finish their round. They'd come up and be like, hey, that was great. Can we join y'all? We're like, absolutely. Drew, this thing grew to like 40 people on this porch, cheering, booing, heckling golfers. Uh, we had, we got, There was a wedding going on, so we got quieted down for about 20 minutes uh, while the bride walked down the aisle. And once my 20-minute timer on my watch went off, we went right back to being rowdy. And uh, <laughs> Had a group from Long Island come up, and so these guys they had a, a poor shot, and you'd hear this guy with the thick Long Island accent go, come on, and it would echo throughout the golf course. Great time, man. We had this one guy hit a shot probably in his 60s. He was probably 200 out in Pine Straw, and then of that 200, probably 160 is over water. Absolutely stripes this golf ball, puts it within 12 feet, and we all just go ballistic. And then he walks up and leaves his 12-foot putt short. Yeah. <laughs> but I had gotcha. a great time, great time heckling golfers. Felt like a true golf fan. And like I said, I spent the better part of four hours there. There you go. Sounds like you had a good weekend. 
It was, man. Good weekend. Good time with good people and looking forward to doing a, a fall trip up to New England to play some golf in Southern Maine with those guys. Really, and, and Bailey. Really great time. Looking forward to it for sure. Hmm. All right. Well, we've got a lot to get to. So, um, we're going to start with the Grizzlies, I assume, mm, right? Let's go. How about them Grizz in the playoffs? An ugly game one, but I'm feeling pretty confident about tonight, Drew. What do you think? Especially, oh, no. Yeah, I was just about to tell you. So, it's a little bit of breaking news, live breaking news here at the podcast. The Grizzlies will take on the Lakers tonight at 6.30 Central Time in game two while being down 0-1, and they will do it without their star point guard, John Morant. One twelve ski one one John Morant who today had his first line of signature basketball shoe released to the public is going to be watching on the bench for game two. Next to Steven Adams. That hurts, man. It really does. You know, Ja has not been the one since he came back. He said in his first interview back that he was not going to be the man anymore and we really needed him to step up into that role is his Average point totals had gone down over the last few games, but we really needed him, you know, to step into that role. So, well, let me ask you about that. Let's let's dive into that psychology a little bit, um, because it's been kind of fascinating to me, and it's uh, to me it's the sign of a uh, he's had a very troubled year, yeah, uh, and it's not been injuries. It's been a, an injury or two, a lingering. Tonight will be an injury. This has been a season that it will not be remembered for him personally by anything that happens shiving western conference final appearance yeah what will what will be remembered is his incident and the mistake that he made and the price that he paid for it, missing eight games plus um that suspension will cost him 40 million dollars because he will not make an all-nba team this year despite deserving so all the voters uh from what i've heard and what i've read and podcasts i've listened to the deciding factor between him and guys like De'Aaron Fox or Steph or Damian Lillard, who missed significantly more games, the tiebreaker went to the guy who didn't pull out a gun in a nightclub. Yep. And uh, that's going to cost him $40 million. And when he came back, uh, during the times that he left, the Grizzlies got right. You know, they were winning a lot of games. They went won most of the games. It's when they really started flexing their muscles a little bit on offense and really locked in, and in that time period, they virtually locked up the number two seed with John on the bench, and then John came back and was and said what you said earlier, that he's going to have to, you know, he's going to try to step back. You know, I can't be the only alpha here. Right. And to me, I think what he saw is he saw the team winning. They saw he saw the team winning without them, and he got shy. Yep. And and he's looked shy since. But what yep. we've needed is jaw to be jaw it's no doubt that this team is good without jaw but a a good job can make this team great you know right this team tonight i'll i'll go on the record and say a team this team without jaw tonight would probably beat a team with an injured jaw playing through it tonight mm. um yeah i think this has been handled with a bunch of precaution but the psyche of John Morant makes me nervous because yeah. you could tell in the post-game interview after Sunday afternoon's game, the loss in game one to the Lakers, uh, when he fell late in that game and didn't come in and they interviewed him afterwards, he was dejected, man. Yep. He, he even was, said just enough, feels like another thing. Yeah. It's always something. Yeah. And he's right. 
and it does always seem to be something. Um, however, uh, let's not make let's not paint him into what he isn't. You know, he's not a bad kid. He, but he is a kid that's going through it right now, and it feels like no matter what move he makes, it's biting him in the rear. Exactly. And so I real we really need to get this win tonight, get him healthy, and really. He's going to have to shake those inner demons a lot. He's going to have yeah. to exercise those and exercise them quick, especially if you go down 0-2 and head to Los Angeles on th- on uh, Friday. Exactly. And, you know, seeing him dejected and, and, and hurt in that interview was tough. It was tough to watch a kid who's, like you said, been going through it this year. And, I mean, he's you know, 24 years old. Imagine yeah. the—that's uh, the same thing that I kept going back to, and I'm, I'm going to shut up, Rusty. It's the thing that I kept going back to is that these decisions that he's making— if you drop that much money into my hands at, at 19 to 21 years old, 19 to 23 years old, mm-hmm. I'm going to make those same mistakes, if not Absolutely. worse. Absolutely. And and to carry a family, you know, you're the breadwinner for your family, for your city, for your friends. I mean, he the the mistake was on him, but he's, he sounds like a guy who really just needs to catch a break. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that this, um, you know, the, the guys rally around him. He sees it as just a minor setback and doesn't let it <clears throat> completely deject him. But, you know, we've talked about this numerous times on this podcast. You know, our team truly goes as Jaron Jackson Jr. goes. So we're really going to need a big game out of trip. You're newly crowned Defensive Player of the Year in some positive news for our Grizz. You know, he had a good good game in game one. He played really well, defended AD well, had some blocks, had some points, played, you know, a, a, a decent, really a, a, a good game. Oh, he was um, he incredible. Play, finished 31 with 31 points. He had... Uh, I told he had five rebounds, <clears throat> he had two blocks, so three stocks. He had a great game one, but we're going to need even more out of him tonight. And I would I would go as far as to say is Jaron Jackson Jr. was the best player on the court for both teams on Sunday. He was absolutely, absolutely incredible. In the fourth absolutely. quarter, he had two fouls. He ended with three, and he guarded and That's Anthony the biggest Davis. thing is he really yeah. stepped up in a game that mattered. He didn't get in foul trouble. He didn't make mistakes on the defensive end. He made plays when they counted and looked like a mature NBA player. It wasn't the the Jaron making mistakes back in March and back in February. It was Jaron making great basketball plays, making brilliant decisions on and off the ball, and he looked the part of an all all NBA player. Yeah, and so if you well, let's just go back to game one for a second. Uh you could feel the energy in the grindhouse. Yeah. I mean, uh from the get go it was loud. Uh and it didn't look good early we got down early anthony davis was absolutely incredible early yep. in that game what anthony davis does though is he disappears for a while <laughs> and uh what the lakers were able to do because the grizzlies they started xavier tillman that allowed anthony davis just to roam defensively underneath the basket and he was swatting everything i think he ended the game with five blocks uh i'm he had three blocks in the first quarter it felt like the lack of shooting for the grizzlies perimeter shooting and allowing him to just hang out with xavier tillman really hurt them early yeah now the grizzlies got back and they were down by four points when jaw went out four minutes mm-hmm. ago in the game mm-hmm. and at that point it was they get they threw in the towel I mean, it was another, uh, 
it was another shot to the chest. I mean, you can't quit on a game at home, game one of the playoffs, uh, and that's what they did. But they were just so dejected. And and I left that game, and Rusty, I want you to tell me what you think afterwards, how you felt after the game was over. After the game was over, I thought everything was fine. As long as John's fine, everything is fine. Because what you got is you got a combined what, 55 points, 60 mm-hmm. points from Rui Hachimura, who did did not miss a three the whole game. I think he went six for six yep. from three. And Austin Reeves, who was just incredible. He had, uh, I think it was low to mid-20s. Yeah, 23. Hachimura yeah. had 29, and Hachimura was five for six from three. Five for six, okay. And so you look at LeBron James. He had 21 points, I think. Uh and Anthony Davis had a good night, not a great night. Yeah, but the difference, yeah, the difference in that game, in a win and a loss, was Hachimura and Austin Reeves. And Austin Reeves is good. Hachimura caught fire. Yeah. And yeah. that would, you know, that had to be the game plan mm-hmm. because Hachimura coming off the bench, he's the guy that the Grizzlies want to take shots. Yeah. You know, just like everybody does with Dylan Brooks. If Dylan Brooks is going to beat us, then the Grizzlies are going to beat us. If Hachimura was going to beat us, but we're not going to let LeBron and Anthony Davis beat us. Right. And we didn't let LeBron and Anthony Davis beat us. But no. Rui Hachimura blew the, up on us. That was my biggest takeaway. Leaving the game, I was just like you. As long as Ja's okay, we'll be okay. Even without Ja, I still am not as confident, but I still don't hate our chances tonight. But if, my biggest, uh, if we my don't biggest have takeaway, Ja, second. We, if we don't have Ja, I wouldn't pick us win the series mm-hmm. uh i would not in no circumstance do i think they sweep or beat us in five no i think I the think... series goes six either way yeah i either agree that, John. but my biggest takeaway was the lakers aren't going to shoot 43 percent from three ever again in this series that's not no. going to happen hachimura is not going to pour in five of six austin reeves is not going to be chanting i'm him at the top of the key making all these shots as good as he is like 43% from threes doesn't happen unless you're Luke Kennard. And so I don't think they're going to shoot that way again. I think that they're going to come back down to earth. We're going to, this tonight's going to be a grind. It's going to be a close game again. And, and for all intents and purposes, Sunday was a close game until it got away late. I mean, it was like you said, four point game when Ja yeah. got hurt, they scored, they went on like a 15 0 run there at the end. And, and John, I'm sure you saw it. Jinx was yeah. pissed. He called that timeout with 30 seconds to go and blistered them for their defensive effort. Yeah, the Lakers are not were not sixteen points better than the Grizzlies on Sunday. No. And I'll I'll take tell you this. Uh the Lakers had twenty three from Reeves, twenty nine from Hachimura, and the Grizzlies had uh Des had twenty two points, but it was three of ten from three. Yeah. And our boy Luke Kennard was one of four from three. Yeah. Neither of those are going to happen again. No. So what you're looking at here is I'm throwing out the last 10, 10 points or so. You know, they beat us by 16. Let's say they beat us by six because of that last run when John went out. If it's a six point game in game one with Bain and Kennard combining for four of 14 from three and Hachimura going five of six from three, then we're going to make up that six points. I agree. I agree. And, you know, we had a terrible night. The the only two players with a plus, positive plus minus for the Grizz were Luke Kennard um, 
and David Roddy. Nobody else really had a good night. We struggled from the field. We shot 36% from three. Tough night for the Grizz. That's not going to be repeated. I, I think tonight we come out with a vengeance. I think, you know, we come out for Ja. I think we played better tonight. And I'll go out on a limb and say we win tonight. I think we get game two. It goes back 1-1 to L.A. We struggle on the road. That's no secret. But getting Ja back, hopefully, for game three or four will be helpful. And I just keep hoping every time that injury report comes out, and I know it's a it's a vain imagination that we're going to see Steven Adams questionable or doubtful. I don't understand out. what they're doing with him. It just seems like they're – it really seems and, – and I've been thinking about this a lot. They're slow playing it, and while this wasn't the front office that got burned by Chandler Parsons, this feels like a byproduct of getting burned by a player in the past with a bum knee, and it feels like the Grizz are being extra careful, extra gun-shy – because Steven is competing some at practice. He's not in full contact, but he's taking shots. He's running the floor. He's moving well in practice. But it feels like the Greers are being extra cautious. And there's some grumblings in the media that I'm reading on Twitter that, like, hey, like, give the guy a shot. He's tough. He wants to play. Why is he running in practice and you're not giving him some game minutes? I get the feeling that if this were the regular season, he would have been – if he were on 25 other teams, he'd be playing. Yeah. And I know what they're doing. They let's be real about the Grizzlies right now. They're back to back two seeds in the West. They are still the second youngest team yep. in the league. Yep. Stephen Adams just signed a new contract yep. that'll keep him here for three or four more years. They are looking at this realistically, not emotionally. <clears throat> and they're looking at this saying our superstar point guard is twenty four. Our defensive player of the year postman is 24. Mm-hmm. Our uh, two guard of the future, Desmond Bain, is 25. I mean, everybody's young. It This is not our championship window. If you look at the NBA, historically, the best player on championship teams is 27 or above. Yep. That's LeBron didn't win a championship to us 27 or above. The only exception, and this research was done by Chris Vernon. I've, he was talking about it the other day, so I'll give him credit. The only exception to that rule is Giannis, and he was 26. Yeah. So this is not our window, and they see that, and they're not going. Now, Stephen Adam, I mean, make that decision, hold Jai out. You know, don't risk a a knee injury with a worse knee injury with Ja or Jaron or I mean Steven Adams is Steven Adams, you know, he's he keeps his feet on the ground the whole time. So right. you know. So and that's what they're doing. They're being safe. They're being sure. cautious. And they're playing smart, not emotionally. But for the fans, you know, we're here. Yeah. We in this. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're with you. You know, our, yeah. our, our play, we're with this, yeah. we're with us. Like, we're here. Memphis versus everybody. Like, give Steven some – give him some minutes, man, because that's, that's where we're getting beat continuously is in rebounding. We're getting out class. Uh, we – let's see. In game one, the Lakers had 35 rebounds, and we had 28. Uh, or excuse me, they had 45 rebounds, and we had 34. We got out-rebounded by 11 rebounds. And that doesn't happen when Steven Adams is on the floor, even if it's – abbreviated minutes even if it's a limited time having seen him out Stephen Adams on the floor is a difference maker especially on the offensive end with those putback points that he gets well and 
I watched that game and thought that the Lakers looked super sloppy. They turned, mm-hmm. they went through stretches where they turned the ball over forever. Absolutely. For every possession. And the Grizzlies did that too. Ja had two assists and six turnovers. What nobody is talking about is Ja was bad yeah. on Sunday. Absolutely. I don't know if it was emotion. I don't know if it was within his own head. It obviously was, he was out of it for some reason. Yeah. But I know he had his hand taped up for, I don't, didn't catch he, why. He had a, a hand injury coming into the game where he had injured it in a previous game like two or three weeks ago and it had been taped and braced and then this was like a further exacerbation of it. Yeah, and so he was low-key bad and we were matching their turnovers with our turnovers, which is just not what we do. No. And so... Usually when the other team's turning the ball over, that's when we're running the floor and beating you. That's the reason why we have so much success with teams like Golden State. They run and gun and Jordan Poole will throw the ball to the fan in the fourth row <laughs> yeah. uh, at least twice a game. Yeah. And uh, we uh, we capitalize on that because we like to move and we like to get out in transition. Right. And we just wouldn't let them kill themselves for the longest. Yeah. Yep. And so it with that's the reason why I said earlier in the podcast that if Josh sits tonight, which turns out he is, a unhealthy jaw is not as good as a fully healthy Tyus right now. Yeah. Against a team that we know is going to turn the ball over. Yep. So don't kill yourself. Uh, I just checked according to ESPN and I don't know what sports book. I think they probably use Caesars. Uh, Lakers are a one point favorite at home against the Grizzlies. Yep. I would love to hammer that. The Grizzlies money line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, the difference in minus one and money line probably isn't a whole lot. Uh, Absolutely. I would say I can't gamble. I can't gamble in sports in Mississippi. We can only do daily fantasy here. So South Carolina either. Yeah. So uh, I and also don't take especially Rusty's gambling advice. Yeah. So I I, we've watched enough Grizzlies basketball without jaw that I can speak confidently saying that we're we're better than like we're okay. Without Ja, because Tyus yourself. Because that's what I was just about to say. For Tyus is a floor general. He doesn't turn the ball over. Over the last, I heard it in a podcast the other day, and I meant to write it down. And so forgive me for not knowing the exact number, but he leaves the NBA over the last couple of years in turnover uh, per minute, uh, points scored uh, versus turnovers. Like he leads in all those statistical categories because he takes really good care of the basketball. He steps up and scores when he needs to. And I mean, he's a walking bucket some nights. There's been so many, how many, how many times he had a double double and without when jaws out, I mean, he steps oh, up when the moment's big and he is, he's, he's our new captain, captain clutch. You know, he can score yeah. some points when needed. He is at his best. He is the best backup point guard that I have ever seen as a Memphis Grizzly. And there's not a close second, to be honest. Yeah. He is a really, really awesome point guard. Yes. By NBA standards, when yes. Morant's out. Yes. Uh, I'll leave. I'll leave this Grizzlies conversation with a message that I just got from my good buddy Patrick Jones in our group message. Um, he said, and I quote: "He's a great philosopher. Morant is out. LeBron will pout. Water spout. Who cares? Grizz and five. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're here. Grizz and five. I still believe it." It's. I tried my hardest to get some jaw ones today. Did you give it a shot? I did, but by the time I got there, man, all the 13s were gone. (laughs) Listen, I the only shoe I could have bought today was a size 18, 
Yeah. And I'm I'm past. Yeah. So. No thanks. I want to put uh, you know I want to put a pair up on the wall, but not a size 18 yet. So I'm gonna yeah. I'll catch I kind of want to buy two pairs. Just have one pair on the wall and one to wear. Right. Wonder where the only ones that came out today were the, the jaw day ones. It was mm-hmm. the uh, kind of the powderish blue with the pink and yellow mm-hmm. sole. I'm waiting on the and scratch editions, man. The scratch editions, what I want. I was going to buy the jaw. I was going to buy the day ones if I could get them today, just because mm-hmm. they're the first ones. Uh, and I would have worn them, and I would have worn them proudly. They're not too loud. They're they're yeah. pale colors, not bright pink. So yeah. I'd have worn it, and I'd have worn it proudly. But yeah, the scratch ones are. Those are but I'm I'm calling it right now. Double-double for Tyus. We see a lot of David Roddy tonight. David Roddy didn't get very much playing time in game one. I think we get a lot of David Roddy tonight, and I think the Grizz pull out the victory, and we go back to L.A. 1-1. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it happens. I know that having Xavier Tillman in the lineup is, is a disservice to the team and to Xavier Tillman as a person. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he just yeah. he can't. He doesn't offer enough floor spacing to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Anthony Davis is just going to be on him all night or and off of him all so night. So much more athletic. He's so, just so big and athletic. It's hard for X to keep up. X is best in that role coming off the bench. Yeah, so we need to go small. I would love to see a lineup that looks like Tyus, Bain, Dylan, Roddy, Trip, or. Trip yeah, that's, that's what it's gonna be. Nah, Santi got barbecued last game. That's true, he, that's he, true. he can't he handle. Cooked. He 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 offers a little bit more floor spacing with his three point shot. But he got. But he is a target on defense. Yeah, he is. You're right. They headhunt him on defense. He'll be that in every gives, pick and roll all night long. You're right. That gives us our best defensive lineup. And um, yeah, I agree. Go Grizz. I think we uh think we do it tonight. So Grizz coming up in about a little over thirty minutes. So uh, we'll talk about the other. Pressing issues on our podcast. So first up, an update on the SEC baseball standings and um, some changes over the past few days. Uh, Drew, anything else? Last minute, uh, anything else you want to talk about the Grizz before we change directions? No, um, we are 34 minutes away from liftoff, and so yeah. So let's no, go. Right that, that, that's all I've got for Grizzlies. Uh, hats off to you, Jaron Jackson. I thought they were going to steal it from you. Oh, this is what I wanted to tell you. You want to talk about defensive player of the year just for a second? Yeah, I know you have some stats right. on that. So uh, it slipped my mind as we were talking about playoffs. Jaron Jackson Jr., as we said, was awarded the M- NBA's Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't exactly close. Um, me and Rusty talked in the past, in last week that it just seemed like they were trying to find a way for the nerds to give the award to someone else who had played more minutes. Turns out that wasn't the case. And so um, here's how the voting results went uh, for the um, – Jaron Jackson Jr. got 391 total points. So a first place vote is worth five points. A second place vote is worth three points. Third place vote is worth one point. So uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. had 56 of 100 possible first place votes. Brooke Lopez finished second. He got 31 first place votes. And Jaron beat him uh, 391 total points to 309, a difference of 82 points. And... um. It seemed pretty decisive to me, given uh, the fact that I did not was not sure that he was going to win it, you know. Yeah. And so what I did is I looked back in years past and looked at the winners and kind of the margin of victory over their competitors over second and third place. Mm-hmm. The closest one I found 
uh, really, I went back to 2018, and the Jaron Jackson Jr. margin of victory is the second closest margin of victory. Uh, in years past, it had been much more lopsided. Uh, the only exception last year, Marcus Smart, in which everybody kind of knew that one was there was no really lead candidate there. Mm-hmm. Marcus Smart won it uh, with 37 first place votes yep. over Mikael Bridges, who had 22, and Rudy Gobert had 12. Uh, it was a difference in 55 total points for Marcus Smart over Mike, Mikael Bridges. Um, yeah, that one kind of went out of came out of nowhere. It seemed like, yeah. um, and he was he was also the first guard to win it since like Gary Payton, I think. I think you're right. Uh, something yeah. like that. And so going back the next year, Rudy Gobert got 84 of possible 100 first place votes, just uh, smashed Ben Simmons. He would finish second uh, and got 15 of the remaining 16 possible first place votes, but. Um, the year before that, Anthony Davis got 75 of 100 first-place votes over Rudy Gobert, got 14. Uh, Rudy Gobert got 65 first-place votes in 2019. And in 2018, Rudy Gobert won. So he won in 18 and 19 and 21. But in 2018, he got 89 of 100 first-place votes. Wow. Um, and so and he had a 303 point gap over second place Joel Embiid and so um it kind of seemed like Jaron ran away with it and it it seemed that way because we weren't sure that he was actually going to do it get it but if you look over the past there were some big blowouts and I'd say that if Jaron Jackson Jr. was comparable in minutes to guys like Brooke Lopez and he would have gotten 75 to 80 first place votes, but yep, absolutely. you know the argument there. So yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's get on past the NBA. That was just a little fun fact that I looked up today. College baseball. So some wild times in college baseball last night, uh, was an, it was a weird night. Um, there were some upsets last night. We'll start there. We'll work our way back. Uh, Mississippi state had their game canceled last night with Southern Southern actually canceled the game. Oh, wow. Um, because of, uh, field conditions. Nope, they had to make up a SWAC conference game. Last night was the only night they could get it in because they had one Always canceled the previous yeah. night. But Mississippi State did not cancel the game. It was Southern yeah. that canceled the yeah. game. Not like well, our you know infamous. they didn't cancel it because they were scared. So. <laughs> not like our yeah, not like our infamous in-state rivals. But last night wasn't a good night to play if you're in the SEC. Tennessee got hammered by Tennessee Tech, twelve to five. Ooh, that, that um, name gives me chills. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Georgia beat Clemson last night. Clemson's a good baseball team this year. Uh, Missouri State gave Missouri everything they wanted, and Missouri won late, seven to six. Alabama lost to UAB in extras, four to three. The biggest shocker of the night: Indiana State, famous alum, Larry Bird. Larry Bird uh, beat oh, Vanderbilt. Another famous alum from Indiana State. Yeah. Who? He's a Grizzly. Oh, I've stumped him. Yeah, hang on. He's not an alum. He transferred out and played basketball at Wake Forest. Why am I drawing a blank? He's a rookie. Jake LaRavia. LaRavia, thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> Jake yeah, LaRavia. Started I've, at Indiana yeah. State, went to I've Wake got Forest. About that. Yep. yep. Uh, but they beat uh, Vandy last night 10-2, to just hammered 11 hits to six. 
absolutely hammered him. Arkansas State and Ole Miss were tied late. Ole Miss pulled away six to three um, against Arkansas State. Yeah. And then another big shocker, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, who Mississippi State split a series with, but still, um, beat LSU last night 8-5, to five, had 14 hits against your number one LSU Tiger baseball team. Probably a good thing we didn't play last night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if the trend held, y'all would have lost for sure. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, is the phrase it's baseball too cliche or are cliches a cliche for a reason? You know, I, yeah, I don't we're think halfway so. through like a 60 game season. Yeah. And you're, you're playing like you're playing all your scrubs in a midweek this week because you're in the middle of the sec, the thick of the sec schedule, right? Yeah. I mean, like, do you, do you have the sec schedule up by any chance? If not, I can look at it. Real I've got quick. it pulled up. But yeah. the, the point I'm making is so, Vanderbilt lost to Indiana State on a Tuesday. Do you think they were focusing on that game, or do you think they were focusing on this week's opponent? Yep. You know, they got an SEC series at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Who, what do you think you're thinking about? Yeah, absolutely. Conversely, what do you think Tennessee's thinking about <laughs> when they're playing Tennessee Tech? Absolutely. Vanderbilt coming in the house. Tennessee yep. team that just fell out of the standings, by the way, and their RPI because of that loss dropped yeah. 16 points. They're 38 in the RPI now. 30 after this was yeah. a preseason darling to be, you know, one of the top four or five teams in the country. Yeah, nothing makes me happier. Yeah. You know, the tweet that keeps coming around. You know, the self-righteous Tennessee, the oh, yeah. beat writer who also uh, finds it as his responsibility to toot the horn of Tennessee baseball last year when. When they he tweeted the picture of um, their you know their outfielder you know the guy that got drafted throwing the double birds as he hits the ball off the wall yep. that picture and he said Tennessee being the villain has been great and been the best thing that's happened to the game of college baseball ever you know that guy that yep. keeps coming up and it just that tweet alone from that yeah. self righteous and and there's there's a million fans just like him that saying the same thing. Uh, Nothing makes me happier. I mean, yeah. winning the College World Series when they were a shoe-in, that, that made me happier. Sure. Uh, sure. But outside of that, you know, nothing <laughs> makes me happier just to see them struggle. Yeah, and they're probably going to get dump trucked by a very hot Vanderbilt team this weekend. Um, speaking of in that vein of Tennessee, did you did you happen to see Paul Skeen's quote uh, today? Yeah. <clears throat> Listen, you know me. I'm going to be consistent. I say this when I'm not talking about Ole Miss, and I'm going to say the same thing about people that are playing on Miss. Mm-hmm. Paul Skeens, for everybody who hasn't heard, basically when asked about the Ole Miss series this weekend, he said, I don't think they'll be having many beer showers. Mm-hmm. And for those of y'all who are hanging through this college baseball conversation without realizing what a beer shower is in relation to Ole Miss, props to you. You must really love me and Rusty. <laughs> but Ole Miss students throw beer in the air every time they hit a home run. So Paul Skeen's basically saying, oh, they're not going to hit any home runs this weekend. And Paul Skeen's is probably right because Ole Miss yeah. does not hit many home runs. No. They've got, one person, <laughs> they've got one person with double-digit home runs this year. Yeah. And so I and say – he's not one that I would want to trifle with. Kemp, Kemp Alderman, I would not want to throw anything close to the plate after a quote like that. No, he picked up a save last night throwing 94. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> And so, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> listen, I, I'll say it. I'll be consistent. 
I appreciate a good trash talker. Yeah. But, and it's the thing I've said about the Grizzlies, I love the fact that the Grizzlies chirp. They're good. They're mm-hmm. young. They're mouthy. And they back it up. But the moment you don't back it up, you better take your medicine. Yep. And Paul Skeens, I'll say the same thing to him. I was going to root for against him regardless of whether he played Ole Miss this weekend or the Taliban. I hate LSU. <laughs> not pulling yep. for him. Nope. Uh, however, go out there and shove it, be cocky, or get shelled and take your medicine. Yeah, and because of that, hot take, LSU's reeling a bit. Ole Miss is reeling no, a bit. Not. I, I, You're not going to win the series, but I think you can get one game this weekend. I think one game is feasible. It's at home. I think there's a chance y'all can pull out one victory. I think LSU wins the series two to one, but y'all like get a late, like a Saturday night scrappy kind of win. Well, that would fit the fit the season so far. We only win the middle game. Mm-hmm. Did uh, LSU play Kentucky? They they did win that series, right? They won. Did they? Yeah, they lost Ooh. one. They got shelled. They lost one, on but. Friday. I know. So mm-hmm. okay. Um, yeah. LSU's not reeling. LSU's just fine. However, Ole Miss always plays LSU good. They always play Arkansas good. Uh, we've got them at home. And, you know, in years past, I would say a good Ole Miss team, a fair Ole Miss team, has a 50-50 shot of beating a really good LSU team if you're sure. playing in Oxford. There's something about that matchup. Uh, Arkansas is the same way. It's like there's just an extra energy there. And that's, you know, I've got proof of that quantitative proof right now because we're not going this weekend to the home games against LSU and the tickets are still selling. Ole Miss is three and 12 in the SEC and it's the hottest ticket in town. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, even it's like, it's possible we'll get into it here in a minute, but even like last week in Starville, the, the all time on campus SEC attendance record was set by the two last place teams in the SEC West. Our fans come out and they come out in force. Yeah, and there's more to that with Starkville this weekend. I mean, it's the same thing. It's going to be – it's the kind of the same situation with Ole Miss this weekend. Mississippi State set the all-time record, SEC attendance record. Broke their True. own record. <laughs> or broke their own record. Okay. Uh, one, they have the biggest capacity field in the SEC. It was also Ole Miss and Super Bulldog weekend. Sure. You know, they do this on purpose. You know, it's the same reason why – Morgan Wallen is playing Saturday night and Sunday night in Bald Hemingway Stadium the same week, weekend that LSU's playing at home. Yep. You know, it's the same Absolutely. thing. You it's know? great planning. Yeah. And so we're selling our tickets, just a little sidebar here. Uh, they are going to football game uh, policies with, t- with parking this weekend. So there's no on-campus parking and everything off-campus is going to be $40 Ooh. because of the Morgan Wallen concert. Oh, my gosh. And – it is going to be mass chaos. Yeah. And so uh, I made 300 bucks on two tick, six tickets, basically three tickets, two tickets for three games. Yeah. I made about 300 bucks. And yeah. so I wasn't mad about that at all. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, I'll but... get some, I'll get some home projects done around here and everybody else can go, go fondle the mullet superstar. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> speaking of last weekend, well, we'll get to it. I warned you yesterday. Uh, we talked on the phone. We we didn't talk much this weekend because I was on vacation and you were playing golf all weekend. And mm-hmm. um, 
I called you yesterday and I warned you. I said, we're going to talk about Ole Miss losing the series to Mississippi State. Yes, we are. On this podcast. Yes, we are. I said, but if you're going to get on this podcast and gloat and puff your chest out and act like you're the best in the world, but you didn't watch the games, I'm going to hang up the call. And what did I say? You can can take it from there. But if you didn't watch them, we're just going to talk about the the high points we're going to go on. <laughs> the only game I did not watch in full full disclosure was Friday night. We went out to a nice restaurant called Frank's, had a nice dinner. I had my phone laying on the table watching the game cast. So I technically watched it, but I didn't watch it pitch by pitch. Right. Like I did on Saturday and like I did on Sunday. Um, basically, like the, the overarching theme of the series was Dakota Jordan. SEC Freshman Player of the Week. Kid is coming into his own as a great baseball player. He hit a two-run walk-off single on Saturday, hit a titanic home run on Sunday, and just is absolutely on, on Friday. Friday too. He's he's gonna. I think it's now up to a 14, 15 game hitting streak. Absolutely tearing the cover off of a baseball right now. It looks like a beach ball coming into him, and he is absolutely wearing it out. Dakota Jordan was the theme of the weekend, played great outfield, again, hit the ball really, really well, and it led to Mississippi State winning a series against Ole Miss, something they've done every year since 2016, that seven straight series over our in-state rivals. We do play again next week in the Governor's Cup. It doesn't technically count as a as a conference game. Disagree. Until, until y'all, it, didn't, y'all didn't win the series last year because we won the Governor's Cup. It was 2-2. No. By, by our own rules, it's not a conference game. So seven straight years we've won the series say, over Ole Miss. I didn't say you won, you know, I didn't say we tied the conference game. I said the series, 2-2. No, nah, nah. won of the, the series. four games we played, y'all won half, we won half. But they're considered and we a national series and then the Governor's Cup. And you know this. You know it's not a conference game, and it doesn't count towards that. I didn't say it was a conference game. I said it was a game against Mississippi State. Yeah, is, doesn't count is the, the game series. in Jackson against Mississippi State any different than three games in Starville against Mississippi State? You can try to paint this any way you want, but it's been seven years since you've won a series against us. No, seven. We split the seven. series last year, two to two. We're, okay, you want to look at it this way? And <laughs> yeah. What's, yeah, what's the record in the last twenty-five games? Are you counting the Governors Cup? <laughs> yes, in the last twenty-five games <laughs> against no Ole Miss. <laughs> It is 20 to five Mississippi state. Mississippi state has beaten Ole Miss 20 out of the last 25 times. Governor cup included hail state, baby. Well, I mean, the governor's cup doesn't always count. (laughs) It only counts when I want it to count. Yeah. 20 and five in the last 25 against our in-state rivals in baseball. Make sure you get that father's day card coming out in the month of June. Cause we own Ole Miss baseball. Let's go hail state. Yeah. Uh, Like I said, um, you know, I'm glad this is your national championship. To me, it felt the same as no. Here we go. You know, losing, Typical Ole Miss fan. Yeah. It doesn't matter when we it lose, but when you win, it does losing matter. To Vanderbilt, you know, it's just like I just have no emotional attachment. Mm-hmm. That's typical I'd, Ole Miss. I'd, it I'd doesn't love. matter when we lose, but when we win, you're you made shirts about running the sip when you beat us in football. It absolutely matters. You said no, they're trying to deflect is 100% what that is. Oh no, we run the sip. That's just that was a Matt, that was a what? Lane Kiffin thing. That has nothing to do with Mississippi State. It was a recruiting the, Mississippi thing. Run the sip and what? It ain't recruiting. It ain't football. It ain't baseball. Uh, it ain't men's basketball. It's maybe, whatever maybe, it needs maybe it's to women's be. women's basketball right now. It's whatever looks good on a t-shirt, my friend. I just it's tough here to be an Ole Miss fan, that's for sure. And then it got worse today. You know, your 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 uh, big home run hitting defensive tackle entered the transfer portal yeah, today. I saw that. 
my beloved Taiwan Malone. Into uh, the transfer portal. Yeah. Uh, hey, maybe it'll be a sip to the st- maybe a sip to state thing, right? Maybe he'll uh, he'll get smart there and come on over. But hey, I tell you this: to, if he didn't play on this Ole Miss team this year, he ain't gonna play on Mississippi State's no, team yeah. next year. <laughs> <laughs> It'd just be nice to uh, get him normal. But it's one thing, you know, a lot of these two-way players, especially if one of the two ways is football. Football typically sways everything, but it was known with Tyler Malone that he was not going to a school based on football solely, and right. baseball was not number two for him. Yeah. It is even at best, and if if anything made the decision for him to come to Ole Miss, it was their baseball sure. because he does love baseball. He's not one of those that's ever, you know, unless he's changed his mind based on his experience not playing much baseball, maybe it's, Maybe he's realized his future is just not in baseball. That's a possibility. Yeah. But none of his decisions so far have been because solely because of football. So whatever right. school he goes to next is going to have to offer him a baseball scholarship. Yeah, but, yeah, tough day to be an Ole Miss fan. Bad weekend to be a beer. Bad weekend to be an Ole Miss fan, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, we're not that far removed from good times. You know what it's like. I do, but speaking of that – um. D1 Baseball came out with their latest field of 64 projections. And here's – all right, let me – I know you yeah. have some thoughts. Let me it's get like it out. It's like forecasting the weather a month from now. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I am basing my happiness off of Joe Lenardi and Kendall Rogers right now because Joe Lenardi put us as the last four in the tournament, Kendall Rogers oh, and D1 Baseball. Yeah, I saw, I saw that Joe Lenardi came out with his field of 68 for next March. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's get excited, boys. <laughs> but Mississippi State, again – we're not a great baseball team. We're still not a great baseball team. We've won two series in a row against two not great baseball teams either. But we're starting to figure it out. We're playing much better baseball than we were a month, month and a half ago. We're coming together. Gerangelo grew up on Saturday. He had five innings pitched. Just absolutely Sunday. just dom- yeah, sorry, Sunday dominated. Um, pitched really, really well. We're coming in. We're we're kind of coming into our stride when it starts to matter because you have a very winnable series this weekend against Auburn. Have a very good chance to continue that 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 winning before we get into the real teeth of our SEC schedule. And you love to see it. We really are coming into our own, playing great, played our way into contention for a regional. And I do think this team makes a regional. Now we're going to be the four seed. So did Kendall in- Rogers put he put you in as a what three seed? As the last four, and now we're a four seed, but we're, we're one of the last four in. It was just like so he, for us four. A, a last four in. We, that's what Ole Miss. They were the fourth of the last four in. Mm-hmm. We were a three seed, so that's so prob- that's what y'all would be. Yeah. And we'll probably be a three seed in like Coral Gables, or we'll go to you know Nashville or Wake Forest, and like yeah. we probably won't make it out of that. But it's still, and we still have a lot of work to do. We've got to we got to beat Auburn this weekend. We we really need to sweep. If we sweep, we're in a much better place, but can't lose that series, and then have a showing in Hoover. We have a really good chance of being a team in a regional after a really crappy start to a baseball season, and I couldn't the, be more proud. All right, so we are three and twelve. That means y'all are five and ten. Yeah, I right? Pull it right here. All right, the SEC standing. We're five and ten in conference play, tied with Auburn, who we play this weekend. All right, and who, an opportunity to advance. What What does the schedule look like for y'all closing out the season? So it's tough. It is tough. We've got Auburn this weekend. Um, in a three-game series at Auburn. I think next weekend is Tennessee. 
Yep, we play at Tennessee the following weekend. Then we've got, and we really hit the teeth. We've got Tennessee, which is not as daunting as it once was, but it's still Tennessee. Still good. Still better yeah. than Mississippi State right now. Absolutely. Arkansas comes to town the following weekend. Then I think it's A&M. It's LSU the weekend of May 13th. Then we've got A&M the weekend of May 20th. And that, I believe, is our last series before um, you get Arkansas one more time. Like that's so, kind of our, our – our, it's brutal. We've got a tough Auburn, Tennessee, LSU, Arkansas, A&M. A&M. Y'all ain't getting to 500. Ole Miss ended it at 14 and 16 and got the last team in. That that schedule, y'all, I don't see it. I mean, you're going to have to sweep Auburn. If we, So here's what you do. You sweep Auburn, then – you take one from Tennessee, maybe two. You take you you don't you you're gonna get swept by LSU. Really good chance you're gonna get swept by Arkansas. Maybe you steal one in there. Maybe you steal one from LSU. Maybe you steal one from Arkansas because we usually play Arkansas really well. Well, you maybe just you steal said one of those. You may get swept by LSU and you may get swept by Arkansas. If you do, that's 16 losses. That's not 500. That's my point. <clears throat> yeah. And then you've also got series in there against LSU at Auburn. Now, I know Auburn's not good, but it's at Auburn yeah, I'm not and about A&M. Auburn. So that's, I think we, that's what I'm saying. I'm not, both I'm not those, saying it's not possible. Yeah, it's tough. If it's you, an uphill if you battle. Comparatively speaking, that's the reason why I thought the Ole Miss series against Mississippi State was so important. And the reason why when we lost on Saturday, I thought our season was over because we had to sweep them. Couldn't our to our better schedule. Team, better club. I, our schedule opens way up after LSU. I mean, there ain't nothing left. I mean, there's there's no top 25 team left on that schedule. Y'all already played Arkansas, right? Yeah. One, we lost uh, two out of three. Yeah. Um, and so we played. We we were front front end heavy. We started with Vanderbilt, and then we played. Um, shoot, who did we play second weekend of the year? Um, Florida, yeah, and then Arkansas, and then Mississippi State. So, yeah, I and then mean, LSU. So, our schedule really, down the line looked good, but yeah. you're just not coming back from three and twelve. Yeah, yeah, and that that was another fun thing about this weekend was crushing any hopes that uh Ole oh, Miss you had of making making a run. Um, but point you act taken, like you eliminated us. Well, we. We were we were two and ten going into the season going into the series. We didn't we didn't we didn't start the door getting shut, but we slammed that son of a gun. But there's still a chance. There's still a chance that that state can pull out some magic again. We're playing better baseball. We're coming into our own now. But you mentioned Florida. Did you uh did you see what was a crime? Um, so real quick, Baxter, I get your thoughts on it. Florida's playing baseball this past weekend. They uh, had a big strikeout in a pivotal moment. Um, pitcher just does a fist pump. It's just not even a not even a yeah, big. Yeah, it was a. It's just looked, a little he, like he. Mm. He did look at the visiting team's dugout when he did it, but Still. that's just that's that's not a crime. It was just a little oomph and a yeah. little bit of a celebration. Sure, he was looking at him, but I mean, again, the guy's momentum's carrying him that way. You know, there's things gonna be said. Playing Georgia, he he hits a fist pump and gets run out of the game. Yeah. Right. Yep. Well, then Florida's big hitter, uh, Jack. Not just uh, a hitter. He's also oh, their Saturday starter, Jack Caglione. 
Cagliano, just a Jack Cagliano, just phenomenal baseball player, big, big home run hitter, gets up and hits an absolute tank about two innings later. And as soon as he rounds third, goes stiff as a board and walks like a toy soldier, touches home plate, shakes so hands, no emotion. No emotion whatsoever. It was an incredible celebration of a home run. Yeah, I mean, nobody loves showing up umpires in ways that they cannot do anything about more than me. Yeah. You know, uh, it was almost that the most egregious celebration I've seen my whole time was the Mississippi State pitcher uh, pulling to Michael Jackson and doing the splits coming <laughs> off the mound <laughs> after that big strikeout on uh, Saturday, Sunday, I think. Incredible. Yeah. He just he just hit the splits, man. He hit that big fist bump and caught a wet spot in the field and <laughs> hit the splits. Yeah. <laughs> Casey Hunt, man, that's incredible. <laughs> you know, a a torn scrotum would not have made me feel bad. If I'm being yeah. honest. Uh, but yeah. So uh, one last topic, and we're going to get to the Grizz because they tip off in about seven minutes. Drew, Arkansas social media keeps taking L. Oh, I L like this. L. I wanted to bring it up. Nobody and loves participation trophies more than Arkansas. Than Arkansas. And so over the last, was that yesterday they tweeted that out? Yeah, it was yesterday. They tweet out. So already they've tweeted out their participation ring from Omaha for just making it to Omaha last year. And then they tweet again from their Arkansas football account and the icy video of their Liberty Bowl champion rings. <laughs> There's just not a... For the most rabid fan base, especially yeah. in baseball, like literally insane fan base. Um, yeah. And there are many that they're competing with for yes. that title. Yeah. Uh, but I'd have, the to give them, I'd, I'd have to give them the nod right now for mm. craziest. Um, they are the craziest fan base. Yeah. And they have the most tone deaf social media Twitter account I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, every one of those fans are just foaming at the mouth, wanting to tear the heads off of whoever tweeted that out. Go through the, the comments. Most of the comments are from Arkansas fans, say, like with gifts of like handed money over, delete this right now. Like uh-huh. incredible comments and tweets. Like what an embarrassment to the program that you keep tweeting out your participation. Dreams. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, Honestly, it's becoming like a, a trend. So it's a tradition like no other. <laughs> yeah. And so um also uh I wanted to end it on something positive. Uh ESPN FPI football power index uh published their preseason top thirty. They did. Uh let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight of the 14 SEC teams are listed here. Mm-hmm. And at number 16 is your Ole Miss Rebels. Mississippi State, Portal was, King. Mississippi State was 32nd, just outside the top. Oh, really? Because, I mean, they really only listed 30 here. So, mm-hmm. um, I guess coach. you could have just said they were 31 and nobody would know any different. So It's a new coach, new year. But that golden egg still resides in Starkville, baby. Yeah, it does. It does reside in Starville. So uh, we'll see what happens going out. Another, oh, oh man, the NBA today is just taking a hit. Uh, in game one, the Grizzlies be without John Morant. In game two, the Milwaukee Bucks, oh. also facing an 0-1 deficit, will be without Giannis. Oh, Giannis. Mm. So 
Um, yeah, just got that notification. Giannis is out. Uh, you know. Uh, oh, we didn't talk about Dirty Draymond Green stomping on Sabonis. Oh, my, uh, my, okay. My, we got to I got a quick take on that. Sabonis grabs his ankle because he's protecting his face as this big old tennis shoe is coming down, and Draymond had enough wherewithal to to feel that raise up and stomp with malicious yeah. intent. He did that a hundred percent on purpose. Yeah. I don't care if DeMontis Sabonis grabbed his ankle intentionally. He let go of his ankle. Draymond Green, standing still, made a conscious decision to pick his leg up, smash it on his chest, and then use it as a trampoline to jump. Did you notice that? With his foot on his chest, he pins his knees and jumps off of him. I don't – listen, you've got – I can't stand it anymore. I cannot stand anymore this righteous indignation that that team has despite having the goonest of goons on their yes. team. Yes. You know, you, they they hit us so hard, and nobody in Memphis defended Dylan Brooks last year No, when he hit Jordan Poole. Nobody in Memphis defended Dylan Brooks like th- this season when he smacked Donovan Mitchell in the nuts No, for no good reason. No. He was suspended for both ga- the next game both times. And everybody in Memphis agreed with it. The fact that Draymond Green can continue to do this, continue to get suspended, and then continue to think that everybody's out to get him yeah. is the most asinine thing I've ever heard in my life. Couldn't agree it more. is the loony it is the insane run in the asylum. If yeah. if and it goes all the way up to their their pre, their owner um came out today. Uh Bob Myers came out today. I'm sorry, Bob Myers is their GM. Came out today and basically said, "Yeah, we knew it was going to happen. They they do this to us every time, and and they don't even come up with good excuses anymore." No. Clay Thompson said, "What did you expect would happen when you grab a grown man's leg while he's running full speed? Like Draymond Green wasn't standing still. Still. <laughs> when when Demondas is a bonus." Uh, and and the thing ankle. is, the national media is buying it because on all the the talking head shows, they were like, "Well, this is going to be too much. He shouldn't be suspended." And blah 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 blah. But like, yeah. you watch it over again. He stomped a man in the chest oh. after kicking Stephen Adams in the nuts a couple years ago, sitting on. Uh, and, and uh, he sat on Sabonis the night before. And this is what Golden fans, Golden State fans, are about to realize. It's about to be enough because. They were up three to one on the Cleveland Cavaliers yeah. when Draymond Green hits LeBron James in the nuts, and they lose. He he was out for Game Six, which they lost to go to three two, and then they have to go back to Cleveland for Game Seven, and it's the only time in NBA history, in the NBA Finals history, that a team has ever overcome a three one deficit to win it. Yeah. And it's because Draymond Green got suspended because he could not keep a cool head. He punched him in the nuts or kicked him in the nuts, and it was over. And yep. that was the start of the end for that team. Yeah. And then absolutely. this year, they have never, in the Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson era, they have never been down in a playoff series 0 2. And that's what yep. they're down. And now he is suspended again. He, This is the opportunity for him single handedly to get suspended from the most important basketball games of their season, yeah, which will result in them losing. If they go down 3-0, I don't care who you're playing. I don't care that the Sacramento Kings hadn't been in the playoffs in 16 years. I don't care that you're the defending champs. You are not coming back from 3-0. 
It's over. And um, like you said, biggest moments, biggest opportunities. And he's up for a contract, I think, and he's saying he wanted a, he expects a max deal for a guy who's gotten kicked out and suspended for two playoff games. No. And the like, Kings have all who the confidence. his own teammate? Yeah. <laughs> like, the Kings have all the confidence in the world right now, and they should. De'Aaron Fox is playing great. You've got Sabonis playing good basketball. You know, he's the game-time decision with his bruised sternum. But, like, the Kings are playing good ball. The Warriors are not. I'm sure you saw their hype video that was primarily focused on the Memphis Grizzlies. You need to worry about your what's in your own house instead of looking at here. We're living rent-free in your head, and you're down 0-2 to the Kings. Like, yeah. And I can promise look. you, I mean, so, I'm pulling for you to lose, but I couldn't care less if yeah. what happens at your game. Yeah. It's you a know, bad I'm, look. I'm paying attention for seeding and see who yeah. you play, possibly play in the next round. But don't don't get it twisted. I'm not losing sleep over any of this. No. I don't care so, about Golden State until we play Golden State. But speaking of, Uncle Buck, it's time to go watch him Grizz. Yeah, I'm logging go in now. Grizz. Hang up. <laughs> go Grizz. Grizz in five. Grizz Absolutely. win by double digits tonight don't panic grizz fans we get you a win tonight stay with us big memphis let's go grizz ain't no running in the m Thank you.